So we're going to continue our vision for 2024. Some of this stuff will be a review, but I want to look at a few scriptures before we get into reviewing what God wants us to do this year. And because I believe that as a whole, as a community, God does have a word for us. And so let's bow our hearts in prayer as we go to the word of God this morning. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity that we have to look at your word today. We pray that your word would go forth in power. We pray that your word would go forth in boldness. And we pray that everything that is said And everything that is done would bring you the glory. And everyone said a great big amen. Most of you know, if you've been in church any length of time, you know and you've heard sermons about the coming of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we are on the verge of seeing Jesus come back. I still believe that Jesus is going to return and his return is very, very near. And as a community of believers, as a body of believers, it is imperative for each of us to be ready. It's it's very imperative that we make sure that our hearts are right before God and right before people. And as I look at the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, I see a phrase that is appears often. And I believe that we need to take heed to it, especially in the day and age that we live in. As we prepare for the coming of the Lord, as we look for his coming, this is something that we need to uh, look at in scripture and be reminded of. Because as a pastor, I see this almost every week, almost every, uh, every year that I pastor, I see people losing the faith and they're losing heart. They're doing the right things, they're coming to church, but they're losing heart and they're losing faith. And as we approach the coming of the Lord, we need to be reminded not to lose heart and we need to be reminded not to lose the faith. Can I hear an amen? As we approach the coming of the Lord, it is very, very imperative we don't lose heart and we don't lose the faith. And as you look at the New Testament, I'm going to read a few verses this morning that deal with losing heart losing heart. Now it's ironic that if you look at the New Testament, most of it, or in fact, all of it is written to believers of some sort. And so they're not, these writers are not writing to unbelievers. They're writing to believers, especially Paul, the apostle. He's the pastor of these churches. He's the elder to these churches and he is concerned. In fact, the apostle Paul says that he bears the burden of these churches on a daily basis. So he's concerned about these churches. He is concerned about the health of these these churches. And I love what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, The Bible says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 1. I want you to see here very briefly what the apostle Paul says to the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 1. And if you're there, say, I'm there. Amen. Let me find it real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 and verse number 1. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. And Paul is included himself in this, in this scripture. We are not losing heart. Now I want you to look at verse number 16 of the same chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 16. And this is what he says in the same chapter to the same people. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our out man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working far more exceedingly and eternal for the weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal." So the Apostle Paul is making very clear to the church here that we should not lose heart. And the reason that we should not lose heart, he says, even though your outward man is perishing, you're aging, you're suffering, you, 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 uh, you are affected by the sin nature of Adam. Even though your outward man is perishing, he reminds us the inward man, the spiritual man is being renewed day in and day out. 
And then he gives a perspective. Look at verse 17. This is the perspective that he gives the church. He says, your light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working far more exceedingly an eternal weight of glory. He says it's a light affliction and it's only for a moment. Everybody say it's a light affliction. And it's only here for a moment. The reason Paul is saying that you should not lose heart is because whatever you're going through is really light in comparison to eternity. The reason that you should not lose heart is because whatever you're going through is really light compared to eternity. And then he says it's only but for a moment in comparison to eternity. My friends, I want to let you know that this is not the season to give up. This is not the season to throw in the towel. This is not the season not to believe in God. This is the season to pick yourself up, like my grandma used to say, by your old bootstraps and tell yourself that Jesus is coming back and this is not a season for me to lose heart because whatever I'm going through, whatever I am sensing, whatever I am seeing, it is really light in comparison to what God has in eternity. Can somebody say amen? Paul says it is light. It's interesting that Paul says that. Do you know why I think it's interesting? Because Paul said also in his epistle that he experienced shipwreck, he was beaten, he was left out in the cold. He, he, he describes his affliction. And to me, if I read it, it seems like it's a big ordeal. To be shipwrecked, that's a big ordeal. To be beaten, to be left for dead, to be stoned, that's a big deal. But Paul's perspective is, it doesn't matter what I went through, I'm looking through it in the light of eternity, and it's really just light. It is light. It is just here for a moment. And then he says this, I'm about to feel the glory this morning. Can somebody say amen? He says, for your light affliction is but for a moment, but it is working, working for us. You know what the Lord is saying this morning? Whatever you're going through, whatever the pain that you are experiencing, really it's working for you and not against you. It's working for you and not against you. The devil wants to take you out with your pain. He wants to take you out with the suffering. He wants to take you out with the trials and tribulation. But Paul says, I got a new perspective that whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm sensing, whatever the devil's trying to do to me, God is actually turning around and working it for my good because it's just here for a moment. It is here temporary. Sometimes you've got to encourage yourself and tell yourself that this thing is just for a moment and I refuse to lose heart. I refuse to give up. Are you discouraged today? Are you disheartened today? Are you dismayed today? Do you feel like that you can't put another foot in front of another foot? Do you feel like you're going to give up? Well, my challenge to you from the Lord today is don't give up. Don't step aside. Don't run and hide. Don't give up because soon you're going to win. The last chapter hasn't been written yet. Don't turn back. Keep running the race. Keep praising. Keep up with the pace. You can't stop. You can't turn back. Can't throw in the towel because God's word is true. And if God said he will do it, I'm telling you he's going to do it, my friend. You can't lose heart. Did you hear me? You can't lose heart. You can't give up. The Bible says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and breaking of bread and singleness of heart, Acts 2.46. In other words, the early church understood something, that they were not going to give up. They're going to keep holding on. They're going to keep their eyes on him. They're going to roll up their sleeves, and they're going to do it again. They're just going to do it a little long, and they're going to do it a little longer. They're going to hang on, and they're not going to stop because the fight still remains. Don't lose heart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 8, look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 8. And this is the same book. Paul's writing to these Christians. He says, for I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. He says, we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we were even despised our own life, despaired of our own life. 
In other words, Paul is saying, I don't want to be a burden to you, but I really face some tribulation. I I don't want to really burden you with my problems, but he says, I really went through it. And then in the same book, he says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 1, he says, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1, he says, you know, therefore, since we got this ministry, I'm not going to lose heart. So you see Paul's attitude here. He's not going to lose heart. And as a pastor, I don't understand people wanting to quit every week. They come up here and shout and fall on the floor, speak in tongues, and Wednesday they're getting ready to quit. I I don't understand that for the life of me. Please, when you get a revelation of that, please come and tell me why people are always quitting. I don't know. I'm just going to go to another church to get fed. If all you eat is once a week... You're in trouble. If you have an emotional life, you're not going to have a devotional life. You're just not. And we've got a lot of Christians that's, that's uh, potted, but they're not really planted in the house of God. And if we're going to make it in the last days, you're going to have to be planted and not lose heart. And the Apostle Paul says, therefore, since I, we have this ministry, what's the context? In the whole chapter of chapter number three, he's talking about the old covenant versus the new covenant. The old covenant versus the new covenant. And he says, since we have this ministry of the new covenant, the new covenant of grace, the new covenant under the spirit, he says, I can't lose heart. Isn't that wonderful? Paul says, since I have this revelation of the new covenant, which is founded on Jesus Christ and his grace and his mercy, he says, I cannot lose heart. My friends, we can't lose heart because of the ministry of Jesus has given us. We can't lose heart. Remember what the Bible says in Luke chapter 18, verse number one, this whole theme of not to lose heart is found throughout the new Testament. Luke chapter 18, verse number one, Luke 18, verse number one, look at this, uh, look at what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 18, verse number one, it says this, and I'll just turn there real quick. Luke chapter 18, verse number one. Then he spoke a parable to them that men should always pray and never faint. Men should always pray and never faint. Men should always pray and never faint. And one translation says, men should always pray and never lose heart. Everybody shout, lose heart. Men should always pray and they should never lose heart. Never lose heart. Go to Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9. Galatians chapter 6, And verse number nine, Galatians chapter six, verse number nine says the same thing. Same thing. Galatians chapter six and verse number nine. Say, I'm there preacher and let us not grow weary in doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If we don't lose heart, there's another scripture. So I just read four scriptures to you in the new Testament about not losing heart. Jesus is speaking not to unbelievers. He's speaking to believers not to lose heart. He's speaking to his disciples not to lose heart. The apostle Paul is not speaking to unbelievers. He's speaking to the church at Corinth not to lose heart, not to lose heart. Go to Ephesians chapter three and verse number 13. Ephesians chapter three and verse number 13. Therefore, I ask you that you do not lose heart at my tribulation which is your glory. Some people lose heart because of tribulation, but the apostle Paul says, don't lose heart. If you see me going through tribulation, don't lose heart. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 13. I do believe, or excuse me, Hebrews 13, verse 3 says the same idea. He says, remember the prisoners as if they were chained with, with them, that those who are mistreated, that you yourself are in the body. That doesn't make sense at all, does it? Go down to the next verse. If you have the next verse, it might be 313. You know, sometimes pastor is getting old, so my numbers mix up. But you get the point. Hebrews chapter 313 or 13.3, do not lose heart. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. 
Second Thessalonians chapter three, verse 13, same idea about not losing heart. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. Why was he saying that? They were losing heart, losing heart. One of the things I think is interesting is that when somebody loses heart, you give way to something else. And in the Greek, the word losing heart actually means giving away to evil. Is what the Apostle Paul says, an evil heart of unbelief. And when we lose heart, we open the door to the enemy. When we lose heart, we open the door to deception because we lose our ground and open the door to deception. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23, the scripture informs us that out of the heart, Proverbs 4.23, out of the heart flows the issues of life. You're to protect the heart because out of the heart flows the issues of life. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm simply saying this, that as we move forward in the year 2024, we've got to make sure that we keep our heart steadfast in the word of God and steadfast in community and steadfast in prayer so that we don't lose heart. The enemy's going to come. He's going to come at the right and the left. He's going to come behind us. He's going to do everything he can. But you've got to be like the Apostle Paul. Whatever I see, whatever I'm experiencing, it's only for a moment and it's a light affliction because actually it's going to work for me in eternity. Somebody say amen. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. The Bible says in James chapter 1 verse 12, blessed is the man who perseveres under tribulation because when he has stood the test of time, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. The Bible says in Galatians 5 verse 7, the apostle Paul said to the church, you did run well, but what hindered you? Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without waiting without wavering for he is faithful to that which he has promised the bible says in matthew 24 verse 13 but he that endures to the end shall be saved shall be saved what are you saying pastor i am saying scripture after scripture after scripture encourages the church not to give up not to waver, not to lose heart, but keep on keeping on. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that here in Galena, Kansas, we got a bunch of people that is committed to keep going on. We got some people here this morning that made up your mind that despite hell or high water, you're going to keep going on. I said, you're going to keep going on. You're going to keep going on. The early church, it's interesting that the early church was infused with power, you know? I mean, the early church had some battles that they faced. The early church experienced some hard patches, so to speak, but they never stopped. They never stopped. Those early Christians were world changers. They, 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 they were obsessed with the call. And some of us this morning think that we signed up for something. You didn't sign up for anything. You're called to do this thing. They moved out of the Roman Empire, and the Bible says they turned the world upside down. They went from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other most parts of the world, and the Bible says they turned the world upside down in 20 years with an attitude of, I'm not giving up. They shook the Roman Empire, and they shook Asia and Europe. It all started with 11 men who had stammering lips, who were behind closed doors, and they were fearful of the Roman government until the Holy Spirit appeared in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 and the Bible says Jesus said wait here until you are endued with power and the Bible says the Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 and the Spirit came upon them and they left the upper room speaking with other languages and they took the gospel internationally because they had the attitude that if God be for me who can be against me they had the attitude that nothing can stop the power of God. Caesar can't stop it. Herod can't stop it. Nero can't stop it. They had a mandate. They had power over the enemy and they got up and went forth preaching a gospel from another world. 
Oh, hallelujah. Can somebody wave your hand today and say, I want to be like that. I want to be a person that never stops, that never gives up, that don't flinch in the face of adversary, nor meander in the pool of mediocrity. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to give up. Well, I feel the anointing up in here. And sometimes on a Sunday morning, I just got to do a praise break because the spirit, when the spirit there... The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in you. Next time I hear somebody say, I don't know if I'm going to make it. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be truthful. And it's okay to have bad days. It's okay to admit you're struggling and you're hurt. But you should never resign to the moment that you're going to quit. Never resign that you're going to quit. It's interesting to me in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 32. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. David is having a conversation with King Saul. And uh, he says, King David, uh, they're having this conversation about Goliath. You know, and, and, King, and David says to King Saul, he says, Let no man's heart fail. One translation says, don't let anybody lose heart because of him, because of the, because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with the Philistines. Pastor Doug, I was reading this. I got really excited because I just, my goodness, let no man lose heart. Don't let anybody give up because of the enemy. I'll go fight him. And there are some of you that you want to sit down and negotiate with Mr. Devil. You want to sit down and negotiate with him and you've played with the devil for years and you're just used to it. But somebody once in a while got to get mad at the devil and say, I'm not going to lose heart over you, devil. I'm not going to lose heart for what you sinned against me and what you've said about me. I'm not going to lose heart. I am going to be the servant of the Lord and I will stand up to you and I will fight. I will fight. Is there anybody in the building that you're tired of the devil afflicting your children? You're tired of the devil afflicting your grandchildren? You're tired of the enemy coming in like a flood? Is there anybody that has a little bit of Holy Ghost tenacity to stand up and say, I'm not going to lose heart over this Goliath. I'm not going to lose heart over it. I'm not going to lose heart over it anymore. Some of you... Some of us just want to give up every time the devil comes. Well, guess what? The devil's always going to come against you. He's always going to fight against you. Don't lose heart over this. I like what David said. Over him. Don't lose heart over him. I'll be the servant. You know, if I read the story correctly, David got Saul's armor, didn't he? And it was kind of too big for him. But I like that. I like people who dream big. You know, I I like to dream big. Sometimes I miss the details, but I'm working on that. I'm a visionary. And some visionaries, they don't have every detail. And sometimes I tell my stuff, I don't know all the details. I just see it. (laughs) Let no man's heart. It's interesting. I'm very detailed in a lot of things. You go to my closet, right, Tiffany? And it's very detailed. Socks here. Undies here. You know, just, it's all. Don't lose heart because of him. The greatest threat to your life is not the enemy. The greatest threat in your life is losing heart. The greatest threat to Israel, listen to me, the greatest threat to Israel's future wasn't Goliath or the Philistines or any of the ites. The greatest threat to Israel's future was losing heart. And that's why in the book of Isaiah, it's when the enemy comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard against him. No weapon, this was a prophecy to Israel, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, it will be condemned. It's in the context of Israel 
and they felt intimidated by their enemy. The enemy, some of those enemies didn't have great weaponry, but they had a great mouth. And they would come to Israel to intimidate Israel. And Israel became very afraid and they would lose heart because they would hear the words of the enemy. Isn't that just like us today? We lose heart because of what the enemy has said to us. The enemy controls us through lies. If the truth can set you free, it must be a lie that binds you up. And that's how the enemy controls us is through lies. Lies to us. I love what David said, Psalms number 27, verse 13, I do believe. David said this, Psalm 27, verse 13, he said, I would have lost heart unless I would have believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have given up. I would have lost heart if I didn't keep my perspective that the things that I'm facing is just for a moment and it's a light affliction that I see the goodness of God in the land of the living. You see, there are two things. You know you're losing heart, number one. Number one is when you're starting to search for reasons to quit instead of searching for ways to live like Jesus. Now get that. You know you're quitting when you're trying to look for reasons to quit instead of searching for ways to live for Jesus. If you would stop for a moment and all that energy that you've put into quitting and thinking about quitting and depression, if all of that is real, but if you take all that energy into finding ways to serve people, finding ways to love people, finding ways to serve and to be more like Jesus, you would have a breakthrough in your life. And not just a breakthrough, but a stay through. How do I know I'm quitting when I'm trying to find all the reasons to quit and not find reasons or ways to serve and be like Jesus? Is our hurt real? Yes. Is our pain real? Yes. Should we be vulnerable? Yes. Should we talk about it? Yes. But see, in the scripture, your pain may not be, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility to heal. And everywhere in the scripture that somebody was hurting, Jesus gave them a prescription to heal. The man that had the withered hand, the prescription was stretch out your hand. Even though your hand hurts, stretch it out. The woman with the issue of blood, her prescription was she had to press through the crowd. So there's always something that God wants humanity to do. Even in your pain, you've got to learn how to do ministry when you're miserable. And when you're trying to find reasons to quit instead of ways to serve like Jesus and be like Jesus, that is an issue that you're almost ready to quit. Number two, when we start slipping back out into our old ways instead of moving forward. Number two, when we're slipping back into our old ways instead of moving forward. Why am I preaching this in Vision Month? Because as a community and as a church, we got to be very, very careful that we don't lose heart when a vision goal, when a goal that we've had, maybe it doesn't go the way we think it should. Or maybe a plan that a church has, maybe something we've prayed about doesn't go the way we think it should go. As a community of believers, we've got to be very, 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 uh, 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 intentional about not losing heart because we don't worship the goals. We worship Jesus and Jesus never fails. If you don't aim at nothing, if you don't have an aim, you're going to aim at nothing. And so it's important that we have goals. It's important that we strive to do our goals, but there may be occasions that it doesn't go as well as we think it should. Maybe it's a learning lesson, but let's put our heart and soul into it. Let's do the goal with all of our heart, but let's not worship the goal. Let's not lose heart. Let's realize that there's a difference. Listen to pastor. There's a difference between a model and a principle. Listen to me, a model and a principle. What, what are you saying? The model is growth point. I want you to go to church on Wednesday night when our classes start. I want you to be involved in a class. That is a model. But the principle is education. 
And it doesn't matter if the model don't work as long as we stay to the principle. And maybe the principle is Sunday school or small groups. The model may change, but the principle don't. Can I hear an amen? The model is small groups, but the principle is community. As long as we have community, we may eat together. We may have a small group. As long as we stay focused on principles and not models. Somebody say amen. And what happens is in a church is that we want to worship the model and reject the principle. Let's be principle driven, not model driven. The model is lights, black wall, and look at the screen and sing. That's a model. But the principle is worship. And we can worship in a circle with a light guitar or no instruments at all and that's still acceptable let's not worship the model let's be principled driven you know people I don't like that church I don't like that church y'all like my face don't you I'm trying to learn a new face but you know pastor Brandon stand up have you have you perfected the face Come on, Pastor Brandon. Come on. He, he got up here the other day while before Christmas, tried to do my face. Turn around, Pastor Brandon. Can you do it? <laughs> I'll give you A for effort. I didn't know I did my head like that, you know. <laughs> we have to be principle-driven. And not model driven. Now, is there anything wrong with the model? No. But don't worship it. We could change the model. The model is giving 400 baskets to children. Serving our school. That's a model. But the principle is outreach. You see what I'm saying? So... When you start to look for reasons to quit instead of searching for ways to please the Lord and to look like Jesus, then that's an indicator. Number two, when you start to slip back in your old ways instead of moving forward, we've got to move forward by principle. We've got to continue to move forward as a church by being principle-driven. Models will come, models will go, but we've got to be principle-driven. Searching for reasons to quit. Look at number one again. What's the indicators? I said, number one, it's searching for reasons to quit instead of searching for ways to be like Jesus. It, one of the most profound scriptures in the Old Testament that I believe is found in a Psalm chapter 78, verse 9. And if they could throw that up there. Yeah, look at this scripture. The children of Ephraim, being armed, carrying bows, turn back in the day of battle. Now, Ephraim is, 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 is from the descendants of, of Joseph. And one of their names means fruitful and multiply. Here, Ephraim is God's people. The Bible says they were armed and carrying bows, but yet in the day of battle, they turned around. We are God's children too. And most of us has been armed with the word of God. You've been reading it. You've been studying it. You know the word. You're, you're armed with it. But why is it that when the battle gets rough, we want to turn back and go the opposite way? Let us not be like the children of Ephraim that we turn back in the day of battle. We've got to be strong, courageous in the day of battle. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. Jesus echoed the same words here. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You're not fit for the kingdom of God if you look back. It's what I call religious regression. Religious regression is this. I'm doing religious things, but in my heart, I'm regressing. I'm going back. Because your heart leaves before your feet leaves. You can tell in people's speech. I'm just here for a season. 
Well, how long is your season? When you decide you're ready to go, I guess, right? I'm going to pray about serving. Just tell me you don't want to serve. You see what I'm saying? Religious regression. We're doing things, but in our heart, we're we're going back. We're going back. First Chronicles 20, verse 1. I'm almost done. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. Actually, you've got to read the whole chapter to get the context here. But First Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, I think that's behind me. It talked about how kings went to war in time when the kings would go to war in springtime. And in the whole context of chapter number 20, the kings were going to war at springtime. But yet David stayed home and David went out on the top of his house and saw a beautiful woman taking a bath. And of course, you know what happens next. He had an affair with a married woman because he didn't go to battle when he should have went to battle. He turned back. And my friends, if you're not going to battle and not fighting when you're supposed to be fighting, you're going to get in trouble. And David got in trouble because he should have been fighting. He should have been on the front line fighting for his people. But instead, he let everybody else go into battle while he stayed behind. You see, my friends, we're engaged in a spiritual warfare And all of us were fighting, but the battle's already been won. It's already been conquered, but there's still a part for you to play in this. That doesn't stop the enemy. That doesn't stop his lies. Even though he's defeated, that doesn't stop what he's trying to do. My friends, we can't lose heart. We can't lose heart. Job chapter 17, verse 9. I love this scripture. Job 17, verse 9. I love it. It talks about the righteous. Job chapter 17 and verse number 9. Yet the righteous will hold to his way, and he that has clean hands will become stronger and stronger. I love it because in several translations, it reads differently. The righteous will progress more and more. Yet he that has a pure heart will get stronger and stronger. I love that. In other words, another translation says it like this, and the righteous will continue to move forward. And he that has a pure heart will get stronger and stronger. My friends, we got to keep moving forward. We can't lose heart. We got to keep moving forward. We got to keep moving forward because Jesus is our example. He looked beyond the cross and look to the glory that was set before him. We got to keep moving forward to be principle driven and not model driven. We got to keep moving forward, allowing Jesus to be our example as a church. We got to keep moving forward. We got to keep moving forward, having the proper perspective that whatever we face in life is really just light. And for a moment, even though we don't ignore our pain, but we have the proper perspective of our pain. Don't lose heart. I'm excited about this year. I said last week, we have four corporate goals. Let me remind you what they are. And now, let me, before we get into the goals, let me remind you of what the mission is of Christ Point. No, the mission don't, doesn't change. The mission will always be the mission. The mission is why we exist. Now, we have a vision statement, but let's focus just on why this church exists. And we exist to develop disciples who love God with all their head, heart, hands, and feet. Why? Head is you should know something. You should know the scriptures. That's why we want you to go to the core class. We want you to go to Pastor Engel's class and learn the New Testament. We want you to go to these other practical classes and learn how to walk out your faith. That's why this is important. That's why we encourage you to sign up for the classes in the spring. The head, I want you to know something. The heart, I want you to experience something. I want you to build relationships with one another. Hands, I want you to serve the church. And feet, I want you to tell the message beyond the walls. Word, worship, work, and witness. That's why we exist. We exist to make disciples. What is a disciple? A follower of Jesus. That's why we exist. 
We exist because we want to make more followers of Jesus that love him with all their head. They love Bible classes. They want to develop relationships with one another. They want to serve the church and they want to tell the message outside of these walls. That is a holistic disciple, a holistic follower. That's why this church exists. So on the count of three, I want you to say with passion, fervency, and unction. I want you to get up in the middle of the night, and I just want you to start talking in your sleep that we exist to develop disciples that love God with all their head, heart, hands, and feet. Are you ready? One, two, three. Amen. That's why I've asked you to read a book this year. John Mark Comer. I don't know if they have a picture of it, but John Mark Comer, Comer wrote a book called Live No More Lies. Last year, I had you read Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. So the challenge this year is your book and Bible reading. Read the Bible. That's a challenge and read the book. Amen. I want you to invest more in your mind than I want you to invest in clothes and houses and cars. Because ignorance is expensive. Amen? Amen? Invest more up here. Now, please wear clothes. <laughs> and wear deodorant, you know, just do your common thing. But can we invest some stuff up here? Let's invest the word up here. So number one, that's what we're about, the mission. Of Christ's point. Now let's look at our goals. Our goals is head, heart, hands, and feet. Ready? What are we going to do under the head? The head, number one, the first goal is that we will develop 25 next-gen leaders through our intentional leadership development program called the Leadership Academy. This is for our next-gen people, all right? Third through 12th grade. There's a, and I'm not creating anything that's new. This has already exists with churches. And uh, we're going to implement it here on Wednesday nights at 3 o'clock, 3 or 4 o'clock after school. Once a week, we want to raise up some leaders and teach them the four C's of leadership. And so I'm super excited about it. It's going to be great and more detail. We will focus on that after Easter. When we get into the end of spring, you'll hear more information about that. Okay? The heart. We will break attendance records our special services like Easter, come and see and Christmas, as well as raise it 10% on a regular basis. With everybody that attends church here, with, with the weekly services, we run 300 people. We want to break it on Easter at 500. How many knows that we can do that? Can somebody say amen? So bring somebody. So you say, well, pastor, that's an easy goal. Well, it's an easy goal because I want you to bring somebody to church. It's really interesting. People say it's not about numbers. Well, I want people to come to church because I got a big message that I want to tell a big crowd. All right, so you, you just, you bring somebody. Now, if there's 50 people here, the message is still true. But we can bring somebody to church on Easter. Everybody say, I'm going to bring somebody to church on Easter. Number three, number three for our hands. Number three, we're going to partner with the local schools through our outreach program called Love Our City or Love the City. We've already started on this. This is the first thing we're doing. We're going to give 400 baskets to each child in Spring Grove and Liberty. That's the elementary schools here in Galena. And so on March the 28th, the day before Good Friday, we're going to, this church is going to provide an Easter basket to each child. We talked to the principals. They thought it it was a brilliant idea. It's never been done. The school superintendent thought it was a brilliant idea. He was very, very appreciative. And so we're going to give a basket. Why? Because as Christians, we should be a walking message system and we should, should be generous people who do good things. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. So let's do an act of kindness. Let's sow into our kids. And so we're going to do that. And so um, we're super excited about that. And there's other details uh, involved in that, but that's already been approved. And we've already been brainstorming. It's going to be a wonderful outreach. And then the feet, we are going to at least pray in for six couples to uh, or individuals to host parties, dinner parties at their home to start having uh, conversations with the unchurched, all right? And so 
that is the method of Jesus. Jesus ate with people all the time. Jesus dined with sinners, but Jesus didn't sin with sinners. And there's a difference. Hospitality doesn't change anyone, but it does open their heart to be changed. And so it's, we are praying that people would open their homes, start having conversations with the unchurched, befriending them. And we're praying, this is a very small goal, but I added this this week because I felt the spirit said to be specific. And I am praying this year that we have not 25 transfers from other churches, but just 25 brand new people to the Christian church, just brand new. Can we just say, can, we've never had a goal like that before, but I just feel like I want to go a little further and I want to push us all. Let's just start praying. Lord, give us 25 unchurched, unsaved, rebellious people who will come to Jesus and be transformed by his love and by his grace. Is there anybody that can stand to your feet and say, 25, just give us 25 brand new unchurched people. 25. I'm not, I'm not talking about just remain standing. I'm not talking about just transfers. If people come here, that's fine. We can't stop where people go to church at. That's fine. We welcome everyone. But there's a lost and dying world. And I just, I just want to see somebody get saved. They don't know anything about Jesus. And listen, church, listen to my heart. If we're not careful, if we're not careful year after year, this church will become more inward focused. Because just listen, everything we did in the service this morning is inward focused. Go sign up for a class that deals with you all. We got to make sure we become more outward. There's nothing wrong with the classes, but we got to make sure that as we progress, that we don't become so inward focused where all the announcements is about what we're doing and all the activities is about what we're doing. That is why we need to get outside the walls of the church and bless these children. That's why I want some homes to start inviting to the unchurched. That's why we're going to start praying for 25 unchurched people because we don't want to be a church that's always inward focused. We want to be outward focused because that's the mission of the church. Is that all right? There's nothing, nothing wrong. Remain standing. There's nothing wrong with what we did this morning. But I just want you to know, we got to be careful that we don't become inward focused. Very, very careful. Because it, it is a thing that happens to churches a lot. It's all about your preferences, what you like as a Christian. And as a body of believers, we got to keep the mission before us Yes, we have preferences. Yes, there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with us having classes and growing together. But we do need to keep our focus on what can we do as a church to engage a lost and dying world that knows nothing about the church. Does that make sense? And so we may not be perfect at it. Maybe, maybe this year we'll get 10, but that will be more than we had last year. You see what I'm saying? If we aim at nothing, we hit nothing. My friends, I'm excited about 2024. I don't want to be armed and dangerous. And then in the day of battle, turn back. I don't want to do that. I want us to keep moving forward, not losing heart, not losing heart. Amen. At the end of the year, we might have 10 brand new people, brand new unchurched people, but we're not going to lose heart. We're going to celebrate that because we don't worship the goals. We're mission driven and our eyes are gazing at Jesus, not glancing at Jesus. And a lot of us like to glance at Jesus instead of gazing at Jesus. And that's why we're losing heart. Just glance at him. Come to church once a week. Let's glance at the Lord. He's calling you to gaze. Stay focused. Amen. Well, how many just feels excited? Amen. So how many feels excited? How many is excited for the year 2024? Amen. So, so. I want you to sign up for a class, okay? Now, remain standing. I want you to flock the table. 
ask questions to Pastor Doug and Connie. You can sign up online, okay, if you don't want to go to the table. I want you to be involved in Growth Point first Wednesday of, of, of March, okay? That's our goal. If you're new today, sign up for growth uh, for 101 class. We want to get you involved. If you want to serve, sign that, that connection card. We want to get you involved, okay? Is everybody say amen to that? Now, where are we going with our mission? What's, what's the first thing we're doing? This is the first thing we're doing. Put the Easter slide up there, please. This is the first thing. Now, you don't need to remember all of this, but it's already prepared. The first thing we're going to do for our goals is the first thing. Is the first thing. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm just going to. The very first thing is on March the 3rd, which is not next Sunday, the Sunday after, we're going to take an offering to provide baskets for our school children in Galena. We're asking for $15,000. I know that sounds like a lot to you. It's not a lot. We've taken much more of that on just, just, Remember years ago, we took like a $40,000 offering on a Sunday morning. This is nothing. We can easily do that if all of us just give the best. That will provide the baskets at least $25 per basket at least. And then we can bless the school teachers as well. All right. So we want to be a light to them. And so I want you to be prayerful. I don't want you to leave burdened over it. I just want you to pray. Ask the Lord. Talk it over with your spouse. Leave it like that. How many could agree to that? Amen. Just don't be burdened over it. Just ask. Just, just ask the Lord. All right. Um, and then, of course, you don't need to remember everything else. We're going to prepare our Easter baskets on a Monday at 630. On the 25th, we're going to come together, pray over the baskets and put them together. The 28th, we're going to go to the Galena schools and we're going to give them out. We have an Easter bunny. We're going to go. It's going to be a great day both schools. And then on Easter Sunday morning, we're going to break our attendance records by bringing somebody to church. Is that all right? So what do I need to remember? All you need to remember right now is to sign up for a growth point class and pray about the offering. Just pray about the offering. And then I'll remind you about the other stuff later. All right. Just pray about the offering, what the Lord would want you to give and 100% of what you give will go towards the baskets. Amen. Um, I, I've just been so I've just been so overwhelmed. I've just been excited. I've just had just multiple people reach out to me, say, I heard that your church is blessing the school. And this just means so much to me. And uh, it's not about us. It just feels good to get outside the walls. Amen.